welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. So great to see you here this morning. Thrilled that you guys like each other, enjoy chatting with each other, doing the meet and greet. That's a weird, I don't know what else to call it, meet and greet. That's weird, but that's what it's been called for a long time, so we've gotten used to it now. Here's a thought for you, uh, just kind of a fun story. 41 years and one week ago today, I went to my first small group meeting. I'll tell you how I got there. Uh, I was in the, uh, had mo- I graduated from the University of Mississippi. And, you know, like they say, the Ohio State University is the University of Mississippi. And the day after I graduated, I moved to Dallas, and I got a job that summer in the oil and gas business, ended up staying here. I never thought I'd be here. Ended up staying here. And so uh, uh, I worked in this open office deal with a bunch of other young guys. We were all landmen in the oil and gas business. That means we went out and purchased leases to be, to, for people to drill wells on. And so uh, these guys, we, we spent a lot of time together. On the road, we were together. We did a bunch of stuff together. We got to be really close friends. And I noticed that they began to act less reprobate than we had been acting. And I wondered what happened to them. What, 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 what on earth happened to them? They were different. And they explained to me that they were going to a Bible study. And I just mocked them and made fun of them. And because uh, I knew more of the Bible, I was reprobate than they did. And so, uh, you know, but it was undeniable that something was changing in their life. And, uh, and so I kept kneeling them about it and talking about it. And one of them finally said, well, look, why don't you just come see what we're doing? And that was the way I got invited to my first small group. And so I'd been a Methodist all my life. I, I, I had a membership at the University Methodist Church in Oxford, Mississippi, and then uh, when I moved to Dallas, within just a few months of moving to Dallas, I transferred my membership to Highland Park United Methodist Church, and, and so we, I'd never, in all my experience with the Methodist Church, I'd never been to a small group. I'm sure there's some that have it, but mine never had it. I'd never been to a small group. I'd never been to a small group Bible study, ever, and so my friends took me, and uh, here's what they said. Uh, you know, we just get there, and Janet, this is Ethan and Janet Pope, uh, Janet will fix us a home-cooked meal, and we all eat a meal together, and then after the meal, uh, we just have a, a time of Bible study and prayer. Okay, I got it. And so, I didn't realize that the hook that they had to catch me was a meal, <laughs> right? That was the hook. And so I went, we had the meal. Afterwards, we set the chairs up in a circle. We opened our Bibles. I still had my Bible from my christening. Uh, it, so uh, or my, my, my confirmation Bible uh, from, from uh, being eight years old. And so I didn't know how to find what they were talking about, but they were, they were talking about John 3, and, and they had a little Bible study. And after the Bible study, we talked, and then we prayed together. And then Ethan approached me after the Bible study was over and said, why don't we have lunch together this week? Sure. So we go to lunch, and many of you who have been here for a while have heard the story, but we go to lunch, and Ethan shares the gospel with me. We go out to my car, and I prayed the prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. That was 41 years ago yesterday. 
So I'm here to thank the Lord for what he did in that small group. A lot of people come to Christ through a big Christian event. A lot of people come through an altar call at a big church or a church. I came through a small group, through friends who had to persevere but invited me to come. And uh, I know the transformative power of a small group. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in one yet and you consider this to be your church, then before you leave, sign up for one. You say, well, what if it's the wrong one? Well, we'll, we'll, you can tell us. We'll put you in another one. We'll help you find the one that's right for you. But small groups can be so, so transformative because they, they change your heart. They change your life. And uh, you meet people that are seeking God like you are. And uh, it's just a cool thing. It's a very cool thing. Joined a small group very first uh, day I was saved. And hey, look at me now, baby. Yeah. So anyway, it's pretty cool. I have, and Nancy, I have some dear friends here who are with us today. Pastor Gusafo and his wife, uh, Fabiana, uh, are from a place called Alicante, Spain. Did I say that? Alicante, Spain. And uh, they are uh, missionaries from Argentina. They left Argentina over 20 years ago where uh, Gustavo was the uh, managing director of a steel company that manufactured structural steel in, in, uh, in Argentina. And he belonged to a life-giving church. They belonged to a life-giving church. They had a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, a 6-year-old. And uh, they were involved in church, and God spoke to him and called him to Spain. That was 20-plus years ago. Now they pastor one of the largest and greatest churches in the nation. And so it's a real pleasure for us today to have. They speak the Lord's language, Spanish. So I'm going to ask Ken to come up and interpret for them. But I want you to give a big Dallas welcome to Pastor Gustavo and Fabiana. Wow. Muy buenos días, iglesia. Oh, Cheers. buenos días. <laughs> Qué bueno. Estamos muy felices. We are so happy. De estar aquí. To be here. Es, tenéis unas congregaciones preciosas. You have a beautiful congregation. Como vuestros pastores. And like your, like Nancy, your pastors, Nancy and John. No, no han hecho sentir muy en familia. We have felt very, very much like family. O, os agradecemos todo el amor. We uh, we thank thankful for your love. Hoy voy a llorar mucho. Today I've cried a lot. Pero no quiero más. Y esto me llevo unos recuerdos muy bonitos de Dallas de aquí. We have had such a wonderful remembrance of the, of our experience here in Dallas. Tres reuniones gloriosas. Three glorious meetings. Wow. Wow. Pedacito de cielo en la tierra. It's like uh, in, it was like in heaven and on earth. Uh, así que quiero presentarles mi pedacito de cielo que es mi familia. I want to show you a little bit of, of heaven, my family. <laughs> Esos son Mika, Kale de la gorra roja, el mayor y Aaron. This is uh, Mika, uh, Caleb with the hat and Aaron. Nosotros salimos desde desde eh, Buenos Aires, el aeropuerto de Seiza. We left uh, Buenos Aires. Con nuestras maletas y nuestra familia. With our bags and our family. Al campo misionero. To the mission field. Y, y la siguiente foto. The next photo. Es mi familia hoy en día. Is my family now. 
Hemos crecido. We've grown. Ya somos abuelos. Now we are grandparents. Y estamos muy felices de amar España, de servir en la iglesia y de construir familia en la tierra. Os we're amamos, iglesia. We so we are so happy to serve God, to serve the family and serve Spain with our family and we love you. Wow. La verdad que estamos muy felices por estar en esta en este lugar. We're, in reality we are very very great uh, happy that we are here Hemos in this place. vuestros pastores en la conferencia de Citris Europa we en octubre. We got to know the pastor, your pastors in uh, the C3 conference in Europe, uh, your pastors. They've, they've robbed our, they've, they've stolen our hearts. Oh no, they stolen our hearts. They've stolen our hearts. Um, I, I was a, I was a, a, a manager in, a worker in, in Argentina. We had a, a business that with uh, metal y, structures. Uh, una empresa exitosa. Uh, we have a successful business. Trabajamos en todo el país. We worked in the whole country. Pero un día Dios nos llamó a, al, al campo misionero. And one day God called us to the mission field. He peleado con Dios. We argued with God. We fought with Him. Porque teníamos un, un buen pasar en Argentina. We had a great time in, in, in Argentina. Pero había un llamado de Dios. Well, we had a call from God. De dejar todo. To leave everything. Ir al campo misionero. And to go to the mission field. Y en la foto que pusieron primero. The first photo that you saw. Es el, el momento donde salimos con nuestra familia. It's the moment we left the family. Solo teníamos las maletas y los niños. Only we had were was the bags and our children. No había una promesa económica o financiera para nosotros. We didn't have a promise of finances. Salimos con una palabra de Dios. We left with the word of God. Nos dijeron en Argentina, el mismo Dios que te va a llamar es el mismo Dios que te va a sostener. The same God that called us is the same God that will sustain us. Fue muy... <laughs> <laughs> Señor, yeah. Wow. Eh, fue muy difícil el primer uh, tiempo. The first part, of, first time was, well, the, the, the original, the, the beginning time was very dif difficult. Al tener la compañía teníamos un, más o menos un buen empasar. The, we, you know, with the company we had a little good enough uh, Pero tuvimos que empezar de cero. We had to start from zero. Empezar de nada. To start from nothing. Fuimos al norte de España. We went to the north of Spain. A la ciudad de Vigo. To uh, Vigo. Y ahí comenzamos nuestra primera iglesia. We started our first church. Y, y Dios ha sido fiel. God was faithful. Por mucho tiempo no venía nadie. For a long time, there was nobody that came. And mi esposa y mis hijos dirigían las alabanzas. My wife and I, we led the worship. Mi hija pequeña levantaba la ofrenda. The, do the little, the daughter, she asked for the offering. Y yo subía y les predicaba a ellos. And I would preach to them. Por cinco años. For five years. Wow. No veíamos los resultados. They didn't. We didn't see any results. Pero en un momento Dios comenzó a obrar. And in a moment, and in a moment, God began to do something. And then, during this process, God sent us to the north of Spain in the city of Lugo. And we planted another church. No, Lord, we're, we're, we are in Vigo. But the Lord 
a la ciudad de Lugo and God pushed us toward the city a plantar una nueva iglesia we planted another church en 2007 In 2007, Dios nos lleva a la ciudad de Alicante and God took us to the city of a plantar Alicante una nueva iglesia. to plant another church. Solo teníamos las maletas, los niños y un carro viejo. And, uh, we only had uh, children, the bags and an old car. Y ahí comenzamos de nuevo and we started again, en el, started la sala new. de nuestra casa. In, in the living room of our house. Wow. La iglesia de Vigo sigue funcionando. The city, the, the church in Vigo, la, continue to move. La, la iglesia de Lugo sigue funcionando. And the city in uh, the church in Lugo also continued. Y solo teníamos una palabra de Dios. Oh, we only had a word from God. Que Dios nos había llamado. That God has called us. Que estábamos de acuerdo. We are in agreement. Que teníamos fe. We have faith. Y el Señor iba a obrar. And that God would. En 2017 Dios nos habló de abrir una nueva iglesia en la capital de España. And God, in 2017 God gave us another word to start a church in, in uh, the capital Madrid. En Madrid, uh, a 400 kilómetros de la ciudad de Alicante. It, Madrid is 400 kilometers from y, y ya Alicante. Y ya estábamos cómodos en Alicante. Yeah, we were very comfortable in Alicante. Pero el Señor nos impulsó a ir a Madrid. But, but the Lord pushed us toward Comenzamos Madrid. a viajar a Madrid. And so we began to travel no, to no Madrid. No conocíamos a nadie. We didn't know anyone. Pero empezamos a ir a una cafetería. We went to a, a, a y, cafeteria. Y dijimos, Señor, hemos obedecido, aquí estamos. But Lord, you will bless us when we're there. El Señor trajo una persona. And God brought one person. Y después... <laughs> Hablamos con ella y tomamos café. And so we talked to her and we drank coffee. Después vino otra. And then we came a second. Y después vino otra. And then another. Y um, eh, tuvimos que alquilar una sala. And then we had to rent a, 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 a building. Y hoy por hoy la iglesia de Madrid está funcionando con un matrimonio de pastores, de obreros. And today... The church in Madrid is functioning well with two pastors and workers. Wow, yeah. wow. wow. fantastic. Nosotros estamos en Alicante. We are in Alicante. Viajamos cada 15 días a Madrid. Traveling every two weeks to Madrid. Pero quería contar esta historia. Nuestra historia. I want to tell our story. Porque cuando hay un llamado de Dios. Because when there's when there's a call from como, God. Como venía el, mens el mensaje del pastor esta mañana. Like the message that the pastor is preaching this morning. Negarnos a nosotros mismos. We 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 leave ourselves. Yo podía haberme quedado con la compañía en Argentina. I left everything in the company of. Mis hijos Argentina. tenían un buen colegio en Argentina. My children had a great college or school in in Argentina. Podíamos quedarnos en Alicante tranquilo, cómodos. But we can stay uh, comfortable in Argentina. Pero el Señor nos nos movió a Madrid. But God moved us to Madrid. Si Dios te llama. See if God calls you. Si el Señor está inquietando tu corazón. See God is moving your heart. Dile Señor, aquí estoy. Say God, here I am. Estoy dispuesto. I'm ready. I'm available. Estoy dispuesto. I'm available. Aquí estoy. Here I am. Así que con mi esposa, con mi familia. This is how we are with my wife Estamos dispuestos. We are ready. Así el Señor nos llama nuevamente a otro lugar. If God calls us Uh, to another place. Ya estamos un poco más mayores. Uh, we are a little bit older. <laughs> Pero estamos dispuestos. But we are ready. 
Les amamos, Iglesia. Muchas gracias. Fantastic. Thank you. Come on, give them another hand. These are heroes. These are heroes. And uh, I tell you, Ken, you are a great interpreter. You and Monica, Monica and Ken, uh, they hosted them. They've been here since Friday night, I think. And they've hosted them and taken them to show them the best of Dallas. And uh, they've now, Ken's now uh, officially our official, he's our official interpreter, right? (laughs) That's his new title, official interpreter, Trinity Church. It doesn't come with any money, but it's a good title. I got a question for you today. Turn to your friend or your mate or your whatever it is next to you and ask them this question. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Look, before the word Christian existed... Followers of Jesus were called disciples, disciples. In the New Testament, the words disciple and Christian are interchangeable. A disciple is a Christian, and a Christian is a disciple, the synonyms for one another. In the Bible, uh, the word Christians occurs three times. The word believers occurs 26 times. The word saints occurs 61 times. But it is the word disciples that is included the most at 269 times in the New Testament. The word disciple is the word that is used predominantly in the New Testament to describe Christ followers, to describe Christ followers. But it is no different than the word Christian. There aren't levels of membership in the church. Well, I'm just a Christian, but he's a disciple. No, no. If you're a Christian, then you're supposed to be a disciple. If you're a disciple, then you're a Christian. That's the way it works. You can call yourself a Christian. You can call yourself a saint. You can call yourself a disciple. You can call yourself a believer. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to us. As long as you understand you're talking about a Christ follower. You're talking about a Christ follower. So the definition of a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Now, let's look at who Jesus first called as his disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we see that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting nets into the sea. Now, I think, for they were fishermen. I think about it just a little bit because I have been to the Sea of Galilee many times now, And I'm certain that in his day, there were paths that went around it and about it, that there were roads that went around it and about it. But Jesus is walking along the shoreline. And as he looks out into the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, as he looked out and saw, he sees these two brothers. They're casting a net. And I'm wondering in my mind if what triggered him calling these two, because certainly there were other people by the lake that day. But what may have triggered the encounter is the fact that they knew how to cast a net. They knew how to catch fish because they were fishermen. And so Jesus calls them. He says, Peter and Andrew's brother, they saw him casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
This is what I call the call. It's not just a call to leave Argentina and go to Spain with just the clothes on your back. That's his specific call. But Gustavo, Fabiana, me, Nancy, and every one of you have been called to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. It just so happens we have a runaway light, don't we? It just so happens. It's amazing when you start talking about discipleship, how the devil gets, gets going. But it's amazing that in his following of Jesus, it took him across an ocean into a foreign country. In your following of Jesus, it may take you across the street to your office place, to your apartment complex, to your school, to your family. And so, a, the definition of disciple is a follower of Jesus. And, and Jesus says to these two brothers, fishing, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says they immediately left their nets, and they followed him. How quickly did they leave? Immediately. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. So, going on from there, now, now it's a party out of just one, but now it's a small group. It's three people now. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, who was the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Could have said John, his little brother. And John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And I just wonder if what maybe triggered Jesus is these guys know how to mend nets, how to take care of relationships, <laughs> mending their nets. So he called them, and immediately they left the boat, they left their father, and they followed him. How quickly did they do it? Immediately. Exactly right. You see, the call to discipleship is found here in this passage, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus calls them by saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when we talk about disciples and discipleship, then discipleship is the process that we use to help people follow Jesus, to help them fish for lost people, and to help them commit to a spiritual family. Follow, fish, and family. Those are the three things that Jesus has in his call. Follow, fish, and family. Jesus calls us to follow him, to fish for the lost and to commit to a spiritual family. So let's break that down. Let's talk about the call just for a minute, the call to follow him. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, the Bible says that after these things, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax office. I'm sure, you know, having now gone over there, we've seen these little booths and how the ancient cities were set up. And, and so there is Matthew, he's called Levi in this moment, and there's Levi, the tax collector. Jesus walks by him and says, that guy right there knows how to manage money. I want to call him. And he calls him. And the Bible says that calling him, he said to him, follow me. So Levi left everything, rose up, and followed him. You see a pattern now. He left everything. He rose up and followed Jesus. But Jesus said, follow me. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, when Jesus had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, 
Whoever among you desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What you might notice about this is that this is not a demand that Jesus is making. This is an invitation that he gives them. The invitation is to follow him wherever he goes. And he expands the idea of followership to include the idea that to be a follower of me, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross. What does it mean to pick up your cross? It's the place where your will is going in a particular direction, and it is crossed by the will of God. Gustavo, minding his own business, belonged to a great church, you know, life-giving church. I mean, just uh, enjoying life. Got three young kids in his family, and he's a director and an executive with a steel company that's serving the whole nation of Argentina and going to church. I'm sure he was tithing, giving, part of a small group, all that. And then one day, God makes it clear to him, I'm calling you to Spain. Now, I want you to notice that had he not been faithful with what he'd been called to there in Argentina, he never would have gotten the call to go the next place. And so that call that came, came as a result of him already answering the call to be a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus. You say, well, that's the reason I'm not sure I want to commit because I'm just not sure I want to move to Africa. You don't have to worry about Africa. We're going to try it. We're going to disciple you right here in north of Dallas. And when you get through that, then maybe we might get you to south Dallas. You don't have to worry about that. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If we're ever going to hear the call of Jesus to follow me, we got to become a sheep. How do you become a sheep? By giving your heart to Jesus and being born again of the Spirit of God. And there are people that come to church nowadays that have learned the lingo. They can talk the talk. Maybe they read their Bible, but they've never really surrendered their heart to God. Maybe you're here today. you got an emptiness inside. I had an emptiness inside of me. And when my friends started changing, I just... I didn't know really how to describe it or what it was, and so I masked it with just being arrogant and mean. But I had a hole in my heart that only Jesus could fill, and so they recognized that, pitched out the bait of a home-cooked meal, and invited me to their small group. And it was transformative for me. It was the beginning of a life-changing Time where Nancy and I begin to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish and neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When you give your life to Christ, there comes a supernatural, supernatural security that the world can't give you. That's how come... A man and his wife can leave with the clothes on their back, a few suitcases, leave everything behind, and go to a foreign country. Why? Because they're secure. The same, you heard him, the same God who calls you is the God who will pay the way. He'll pay the way. 
in John chapter 21. This is the end of the gospel of John, the, the book of John. And uh, Jesus is giving last-minute instructions to Peter and some of his disciples. So Peter, there in the group, turns around and he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the Last Supper and was also the person who asked Jesus, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Now, John was the writer of the book of John, and now he's revisiting and repositioning the story that Peter is now recalling. And so, Peter, of course, was older than John. At this time, John was probably a, a older teenager, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old. Peter was a get-it-done guy, make-it-happen guy. Peter was constantly answering questions that no one was asking. And, uh, and he was pretty much the guy who, if nobody was in charge, he volunteered, right? And so there they are. They're getting the last-minute instructions from the Savior of the world. And Peter notices John, young guy who didn't really help with the meal the other night. In fact, he just spent his time at the feet of Jesus and leaning on the breast of Jesus. And he turns to Master and Savior Jesus and said, what are we going to do about him? Now, watch what Jesus said. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he remains until I come, what's that to you? <laughs> That's called a rebuke from the Savior of the world. In other words, this is not a competitive sport. You're not competing against him, nor is it your place to correct him and get him in line. I'll take care of that. Your job, follow me. Your job, follow me. And I want to say that to you and me this morning. You're not competing against me or against anyone else, any super Christian you know, anybody, you know, you're just trying to, hey, man, I just get up there and become a super Christian like they are. No. You got one responsibility, follow him, to follow him. He said, what's that to you? You, Peter, follow me. So the first call to discipleship is the call to follow Jesus. The second call to discipleship is the call to fish for men. I use the word men, but it's really a word that uh, is really people. So the second call of God, the second part of this call that God has for us as disciples is the call to fish for people. We find that in Matthew 4, 19. I will make you fishers of people, of men. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountain. He called to him those that he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Now, I want you to notice here on small group Sunday how important small groups were to Jesus. Because what did he do? He went up on the mountain and he called to him those that he wanted. A small group. And among those that he wanted were the 12. And why did he call the 12? Because he wanted to be with them. He enjoyed their company. They were doing life together. He was the mentor. They were the mentees. I'm sure with this group, listen, these guys are sailors, 
tax collectors, fishermen. This is a lively, joke-telling, gas-passing group, <laughs> right? And I'm sure Jesus had a great time with them. The Bible says that he wanted to be with them. And what did he do? He empowered them that he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Why? Because ultimately their call is to fish for men, to follow Jesus and to fish for men. In Luke chapter 10, we see this expanded. We know that Jesus did that. We know that the 12 were involved in that. But did you know that 70 were involved also? The Lord appointed 70 others also. He sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So Jesus had this plan of infiltrating every village and every city with the gospel. So before he's going to show up there, he's going to empower these 70, that's 35 groups of twos, to go to cities and villages. And I really thought about that. And I said, man, that's a lot of cities and villages that Jesus had to go to. And the Bible doesn't really numerate them like that. You don't really know what's going on here. But you know what I realized is that he sent them out two by two to go to these cities and villages and towns, places, where he himself was about to go because he himself had already spoke the word over them and they went and he the word went with them and this is a great point for you for me when we go out into the world see the mission field doesn't start on the banks of a foreign country the mission field starts when you cross underneath that doorway going out into the parking lot the mission field starts and Jesus has called us to be able to fish for people, to fish for people. That's why he empowers them. He empowers them. He says, whatever city you enter, in verse 8, and they receive you, you eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. In verse 19, behold, I will give you authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So what has Jesus called us to? First and foremost, to follow him. And secondly, he's called us. He's called us. He's called us. Not only to be close to him, but to fish for men. To fish for people. The last and the third is a call to his spiritual family. When Jesus called Peter to follow him, and as Peter was following him, there were others that followed also. You remember Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew. Now one person, Jesus, has gone to three people now traveling together. And they come to the next one, to James and John. Now three has become five. And soon those five would become 12. They'd become 12. And so Peter not only had to learn how to follow Jesus, but he had to learn how to get along with others as well. They had a community. They had a family. They were brothers now. In the gospel, they had a family. Psalm 68 6 says, God sets the solitary into families. He sets the solitary into families. Never before in all my life has there been so much loneliness that existed in our culture. It's epidemic. People are lonely, they're hurting, they're isolated, they're, they, they are uh, out 
away from the places where they grew up, from their families, and they're looking for and needing and wanting community. They're surrounded by people, but still lonely. Well, it is the gospel that brings them purpose. It's the good news that brings them into family. It's God's call on their life to do life together with others that brings them out of darkness, out of loneliness, into life, into life. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpen iron, so one man sharpens another. I have a news flash for us this morning. You have rough edges. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that exactly what I said. It's almost, it's almost cathartic for some of you to be able to say that. It's like being in a therapy session. I finally get to tell him. I finally get to tell her, you have rough edges. Some of you act like you don't believe that. It's true. It's true. And when God calls us together into family, we have to deal with the roughness and the weirdnesses that we have. We have to deal with all that because we all have rough edges. We all have weirdnesses. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you don't want to say this, but you can think it, all right? You could turn, you know, in your mind, turn to your neighbor and think, you're weird. But you don't want to say that, but there's just, some of us just, most of us, well, all of us are weird somewhere. <laughs> so God puts us into a family with people that are like sandpaper to us. They rub us in the wrong way. They rub us in a way that irritates us. Like my granddaughter says to me, she, said, Pat, she says, Chief, you're annoying Thank God you got somebody annoying in your life, child. And, and so I get it. But when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. But the end of that conflict brings peace and a security that we're becoming more like Jesus. And if we're not in spiritual family, if we're not letting our roots go down deep into a spiritual family, then we're missing out on one of the most important things about discipleship about being a follower of Jesus, and that is being around people that can adjust us and keep us on the right path. Jesus adjusted Peter. Now, watch this. If Peter needed adjusting, so do... That's right. So do us. So do we. I don't know how to say it, but we all need adjusting. John 13, 35 says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world's out there looking at us in the body of Christ. We say we love each other, but they want to see the proof. It's easy to love people when they're lovable. But when they're not lovable, it's harder. It's harder. And people are watching. They're not so much listening to what you say but they're watching to how you live. That was me 41 years ago. I was working with guys. I, they were saying what they were doing. I didn't care what they were saying. I was watching to see how their life was changing, and it was. It was changing. Piqued my interest. Peter puts it like this, and above all things, above what? Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. That when we love each other, that we cover each other. 
They were not out there running each other down and talking and gossiping about one another. That we care for one another. We care for the people in our church family. We care for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is confronted. Watch this. Verse 47 says, one said to him, once again, he's in a house having a meeting. The house is jam-packed full. Someone says to him, look, your mother and your brothers, they're standing right outside the house here. They want to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards all of his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. The call to discipleship has three pieces to it, three parts. Number one is the call to follow him wherever he goes. It's denying ourselves, picking up our cross and going after Jesus, following after him hard. The psalmist says, like the deer panteth for the water's edge, so my soul longs for you, longs for you. Between this service and the 9 o'clock service, we have a 10 o'clock service in Highland Park, and we were over there, and we got there a little bit early, and I took Pastor Gustavo and Fabian, we took them back to the studio, and so they're watching on the screen the service that's right next to the room. They're watching it. And I, I'm looking at Fabiana, and tears are running down her cheek. And she said, I'm sorry, but the presence of the Lord is so good here. That's what our family is about, because the second part of God's call to discipleship is calling to fish for men. The third is the call to family. When the Father's in the house, when His presence is with us, it's something that can't be reproduced anywhere. It's something amazing. Because the Bible said He's with His bride. He's with His bride. The apple of His eye. The love that He has. The whole universe. My mother and my brothers are the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus has called us to follow him, to fish for lost people, and to commit to a spiritual family. Let's all stand together. I'm going to call Brandy here to close the service, but here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to seriously consider being a part of a small group. If you consider yourself a Christian, that word's interchangeable with being a disciple. And if you're going to be a disciple, then being a part of a small group is really critical. It's really important. It's where you learn how to walk out what you say you believe. And so I want to encourage you. Brandy will give you all the instructions, but uh, it can be transformative. It was for me. And if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Well, Pastor Joe reminded us that we cannot disciple ourselves. You can't rub off your own rough 
edges, the best way to grow is to grow as a family. And this is the place to do it. I just wanna shout out to all of our small group leaders that they are committed to helping you grow as a Christian. We believe that in a small group, Christ forms in you. And that is the goal of the Christian life is to have Christ-likeness come forth from you. So if that's what you're looking for, please meet one of our small groups at these tables that have the balloons, the small group leaders. We wanna connect you. I don't want you to leave here without talking to somebody that can get you at your next step, which is to join one of our small groups. We have small group menus that list out what we have available by the day, by the demographic. So we are here to help and to serve. Let me pray for you before we dismiss. Father God, I thank you so much for the power of discipleship. Thank you, Lord, that you draw us in through spiritual family. Father God, that you desire relationship with us and the way that you do that is through other people molding and shaping us. Help us to grow and form in your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a wonderful day. Thank you for coming. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.